You do know that your teeth don't fit correctly in your mouth, yeah? I'm talking to you. Yeah, you. Our mouths are no longer big enough to fit all of our teeth into, so they grow crooked. Humans had perfectly straight teeth for tens of thousands of years. You take a skeleton from anywhere on Earth, from 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, even 20,000 years ago, and you'll see the teeth are perfect. Everything was just fine until 400 years ago, right up until we began to use mechanical devices to process our food in the 17th and 18th centuries. We were no longer gnawing on bones or grinding through hard grain so much, and our jaws just got lazy. Our mouths got smaller. Basically, for the last century, we've been eating overprocessed muck, and now look at the state of us. 90% of us have crooked teeth, and these smaller mouths of ours mean smaller airways, so we can no longer breathe as well either. We've become terrible breathers. And of course, breathing is the heart of life. But we can't even do that properly anymore. God help us. Anyway, on with some almanacery. For this, of course, is the Almanac of Ireland. And if you don't mind, I am now going to transport you to a wind-blown clifftop, a plummeting sheer drop at Kilagalagoin, near Carohaig, in the townland of Dunkerhoin, in the parish of Kilcommon, in the barony of Arras, in northwest County Mayo. We're on this precipice with the ocean on both sides of us, and the wind is literally blowing me off the side of an Atlantic cliff. And you feel that one misstep and one Atlantic gust, and you could be at the bottom. Thankfully, we're with Unshin Makgra, who knows the area well. It's one of the least known places in Ireland, but one of the most spectacular. And we've come here because of the name of this particular spot. It's called the Prison, or Unpisun. What is the Prison? The Prison gets its name, as far as we know, from a shipwreck in 1863. The ship ran into the rocks off Kid Island, which pokes out of the sea to our left. And while I'm moved by the tragedy and the loss of life that occurred here, why would you call a place the prison after such a sad accident? Unless, of course, it wasn't an accident. In those days, they used to lure the ships in to actually break them up and take their cargo. You're not serious. They were purposefully shipwrecking ships? They were purposely shipwrecking ships. How would you lure a ship in, though? They used to light fires on the cliff and the ships used to take that as being a haven or somewhere to come and shelter and they actually used to come in and bring them in on the rocks and actually break them up and take the car. Come on. Yeah. So the name of this place comes from the fact that the unfortunate shipwrecked sailors were trapped here, in prison, right below us, between the serrated cliffs and the churning sea. As soon as I hear this story, everything about the place changes for me. What started out as a place of almost romanticised beauty, like a scene from a tourist brochure, has suddenly become very real. With a legacy of flesh and blood people who often had to make tough decisions just to stay alive. 
Was that your ancestors who were basically shipwrecking? Probably were, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rough. <laughs> so you're taking a chance coming out here with me. <laughs> And that's the power of place names. They offer a direct and visceral way to connect to landscape, to lore, to the hidden histories. The people who lived here in Dún Chéachoin wrote their stories across the landscape. And Unshian McGrath and his wife, Trasa Yari have spent decades collecting and mapping the old place names and their histories. And that's why I've come to the community centre here in Karohai to find out more about their work. For decades now, folklorists have gathered a store of 25,000 manuscript pages of local folklore from the community. And Unshian and Trasa are still actively collecting. More stories, insights and songs. And then publishing CDs, maps and books to safeguard and share the old knowledge. We mapped 1,500 of them on 11 townlands. And I have a list of some of those 1,500 place names that I'd like to have deciphered. So we head out into the landscape, list in hand, and find a comfortable spot in the graveyard surrounding the ruins of Kilgallagon Church. Oh overlooking a rich swathe of machar, or coastal dune grassland, that runs down to the sea, with expanses of blanket bog raising up around us. How are your sound levels here now, is it? For a visitor like me, it's just a spectacular beauty spot. But I know that every inch of it has stories waiting to be told. What fascinates me is that we know there's all this knowledge in the landscape, and yet we don't have access to it. You know, there's place names for for things, but either we don't understand them or no one's gathered them. And then the work you have done of gathering just so much information. I can now take words that you've gathered, place names, and they give me this vision of a place even before I've ever come. So can I give you an example of some words that, that came across that intrigued me? There was a place, was it Sheon the Ganav, the fairy fort of the bones, which is notable for remains of duck and geese bones left by otters. That is out near Kid Island, Balafarden Kilgallagon, Kilgallagon townland, and there's a, a stream going along there and the otters used to come and catch the birds and actually pluck them and leave nothing, only the, the bones on top of the, the mound itself. And that's how that particular Sheana Grav got its name. I love it. And then the next, the next following after that, I have Balach na which was said, the path of the coalfish paths to the rock from which coalfish were caught by rod and line. Like it gives this pen picture that's so specific. Yes, indeed. Uh, actually, it's, it's right on the coast and it's at the end of the drain wall, as they call it. There's a, a spot there that's easy to access and there's a path down to the rock itself. And they just go down and fish off the rock and bring their cold fish. And there's other fish that can be caught there as well. They can get mac catch mackerel and pollock there as well. But it was known as Balachnunglason, the path of the cold fish. And again, you know, otherwise it's just, it's a name that doesn't mean anything, but suddenly it comes alive. There are so many names to delve into, like the intriguing Shantir or Philip, the old houses of Philip's precipice. 
he smuggled tobacco and hid it in straw bags in the cliff face. It's so specific. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, in, in the 1800s, there was a, an awful lot of smuggling going on on the coast here, and they used the cliff face, strapa as they call it, a precipice, where they were able to access it from the sea and bring the actual contraband up and hide it in places like that. The area becomes suddenly so much more than a photo opportunity. It comes alive with the people, the plants, the animals that have inhabited it from the very beginning. And there are so many little nodes of insight in this landscape just waiting to be discovered. Unshian suggests we head out to the cliffs at Kilagalagoin, the ones we visited right at the start of this story. He promises to give me a glimpse back to a time before humans even existed. I'm intrigued. We hop into the car. We have a little sound studio here now. <laughs> we arrive at the approach to Benwee Head and we're hammered by the rain as we get out of the car. Trassa sensibly decides to stay put, while Unshin and I jackknife our bodies into the wind and push westwards along a quartz-speckled bog track towards our destination, the Soaring Cliffs, a short, soaking 400-metre walk. You know, even in the wettest of times, it's very easy to walk these walks. There's a lost world feel to the entire place. The windswept mountainside dotted with weather-battered sheep and lines of dark turf banks along swathes of bog. The cliff edge is capped in parts with a sod embankment built up over centuries to stop animals falling off the cliff, while below, the sea smashes in as white foam explosions onto the brooding rock. As we press on slowly towards the cliffs, it's evident how rich the landscape is with past stories. Every rock in the area has a, has a name, especially anything that's protruding away from the, from the actual cliff edge itself. Some of the names of the area that you've collected, collected up were gorgeous. Lachti Laba Kumin, the stone cairns of Kumin's bed. Lachti Laba Kumin was, uh, it was supposed to be a man on the run. And if we look south from where we are here, that is where Lachtel Labichumin is, at the foot of that. And it was just a slab of rock that he used as his bed. But he was a guy on the run at the time. From whom, I don't, from who, I don't know. And you record that he survived on, what was it, shellfish and watercress. That's right, yeah. Which is yeah. like a, a story from the early mythology of a, of a saint or something. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah. he moved on. We're almost halfway to the cliffs now. And we pass a depression in the landscape with a curious name. Howl on Amadon, the fool's hole. And the Amadon was, he uh, was on the run as well, and he, he dug a hole in the cliff's edge, and he got into the hole, and it rained the following night, and it drowned him. And he, got, he was known as the Amadon because he, never, he couldn't get out of it. He got down into it for shelter, but he couldn't get out of it, and he got drowned. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit of an Amadon myself, a bit foolish for being out in these conditions, but we're almost there. And I can see the cliff edge, though it's quite misty, and looks a bit like one of those fancy infinity pools that seem to extend on into the horizon. 
With every step, this place feels more isolated, like we're going back in time. And then suddenly, an island comes into view, whose name takes me to a place beyond time, to a mythological realm. It's an island of 31 acres, and it goes back as far in the old Irish mythology to the sea god Monomon Machler. The island is Kid Island, or Ilan Mionoin in Irish, possibly named after Monanon Machler, the preeminent sea god in Irish mythology, who rode the waves in a white chariot, a bit like Poseidon. There was also a character here known as Dunacha Kriach, who was said to kill unbaptized children and hang their bodies on a cross to be picked clean by the birds. And it's only lately that um, they have found remnants of Late Bronze Age artefacts. Late Bronze Age, that's about 500 BC, which is also when Celtic culture arrived, bringing with it the mythology of figures like Mononon MacLear. So this place name has potentially brought us back two and a half thousand years. It's staggering when you think about it. We finally reach our destination, the cliffs. We stand around 10 metres from the edge and Unshian gestures to the right to reveal the reason we're here. Through the thick rain on the horizon, we can see what looks like triangular shards of rock slicing through the surface of the sea. Five of them, like the spines of some Jurassic creature. They're known as the stags of Broadhaven. Unshian wanted to show them to me because of their geological significance. They're actually part of the North American continent, left behind when the continents broke away from each other 60 million years ago. And I like how humans have sprinkled their own stories over the rocks too. There's a name on them all, Chach Mor and Chach Berg, Chach Onali Chleji, Karik Nifuilhoge Agusun Tayan. Tayan is the oven, isn't it? The oven, yeah. <laughs> And it's just that it has a hole underneath that it looks like as if it was a stone oven. But what I love about these island rocks is that they're also part of Unchin's own story. I actually helped as a young gossor to put sheep on those. You did not. But they're pure precipices sticking up out of the land, yes. out of the, the sea. Uh, back in the early 60s. The, the, it was the last time, but they were, they were like um, Van Diemen's land for those sheep that jumped the wire and jumped the ditches and they were sent out there for uh, about six weeks. And, what, uh, to teach them manners? Uh, to teach them manners, seemingly. This Karutaig loop walk is a spectacular coastal trail, but with the knowledge of the local place names, it becomes so much richer and more multifaceted. It comes alive. I just love how place names act as thresholds, offering insights into the history, the archaeology, the landscape and fauna of an area. We learn about the people who lived there and the practices they engaged in, the beliefs they had. But I'm also aware that we're losing so many. 
without people like Unshean and Trassa to actively hunt out place lore, and with the knowledge to fully decipher these names, we would lose so much more. I was with a man one night at his home, and he gave me 50 place names, and he was able to point them out to me on the six-inch map. Today, nobody knew about these place names, but we asked locally. 50, 50 names in, in a few hours, and then they're gone and without him. Yeah, without him. There's a duty on all of us to gather the minor place names of our area and to record them before it's too late. Because fortunately, many of them do still exist, just about. I want to ask you about so many. I want to ask you about Stop and Tabach and all of but we are going to be blown off this rock unless we get off it. Let's get back to safer land. The Almanac of Ireland was presented by me, Moncon McGann, and produced by Colette Kinsella. It's a red hair media production for RTE Radio. <laughs>